Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Gallant View podcast. I'm your host, Scott McKay, and I'm delighted to be joined by a star-studded panel tonight. I'll start at the top. Colin, how you doing? I start with me and then work your way to the big guns. Um, I'm right, good, right. mate. My This time last night, my ass was making buttons, uh, but I've calmed down. Um, I'm feeling confident again, just to be on. Good stuff. Andrew, how are you, pal? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, as Colin said, yep. This time last night, I was questioning my, my decision to be sober for the rest of my life. I was really starting to understand why people drink when they go and watch Rangers. Um, but I stood, I stood strong because I think I deserve a medal for that. Uh, you probably do, mate. And we've got a special guest for you, Heart and Hand tonight. Adam, how you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, I was at the game last night and it was it was tense. Um, aye, but uh, happy to get the win. Aye, good stuff. Thanks for coming on, mate. No, no um, just thought we'd start with a starting lineup. I think there's a few talking points in amongst that. So we lined up with Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Barisic, with Diamonde and Lundstrom, with Tom Lawrence ahead of them. Then we had Oscar Cortez with Ross McCausland and Fabio Silva up front. Colin, I'll come to you first, mate. Um, what was your initial thoughts on the lineup? I'll, I'll be honest. Um... I wasn't too surprised to see a couple of changes. Um, Barisic come in, and I know he's going to be a talking point going in, so I just I want to be fair. I can understand why we're rotating here and there, and I think I've said the last couple of weeks that whether we like these players or not, our Barisic or Scott Wright, they're going to they're going to need to play at some point. The manager is rotating, so I think that was a big talking point. But I wasn't too surprised to see Barisic in. Um, I was surprised to see see his goal so light up top with because and in in Silva I did think Sterling or Dessers would have been in um and ultimately that, that would have been the, the right choice for the start, I think. So that was my big surprise. Andrew, um, Colin kinda of summed it up well for me in terms of going lightweight up top with Ross McCausland. Silva is quite a physical player, but he's not he's nowhere near as physical as several Dessers. Um, but we'd be as well addressing the elephant in the room first with Borna Barisic. Um, what was your thoughts on his first half cameo, if you want to call it that? Um, well, as as the listeners would have noted on on their socials, with the the opposition report, I didn't, I did obviously highlight Danny Armstrong as anyone looking at Kelly this season would do. He's uh, definitely one of their key threats, and I was interested. It, I kind of wanted to maybe hear the kind of the thoughts in, in the manager's head as to why Barisic was in there first. I think we kind of chucked in one of the group chats that Ridvan has minimal experience on the plastic pitch. Um, I can maybe understand that. You take a punt and maybe say, Ridvan, if you're not ready for it, let's not start with that. But um, the Cortez and, and McCausland with Silva was a bit puzzling 
because I mean that as I said I, I read up on Kelly I'd watched them like, and they have a very tall back four I mean Corey and Daba left backs are tall operator same with with right at the other side um, and their two centre halves are massive compared to Silva I'm not saying that Silva's small by any stretch but as you said the difference between Silva and Dessas in terms of physicality is quite big I thought I think uh, maybe in the light of day, you might suggest he made some wrong decisions, but at the time, they don't really seem like wrong decisions um, until we really get into the game when they're highlighted. But, um, the key thing was, I think, his ruthlessness to change uh, where it was needed, because I think we all seen where the, the errors were. Aye, definitely. I mean, I need to agree with that. Um, Adam, obviously, I think Borna Parasic's last appearance was against Dell United. Um, we'll just can I touch upon a, a first goalie game, if you don't mind? Obviously, in a build-up to penalty, um, Barisic is kind of getting shut down off uh, the boy Armstrong for Kilmarnock. Kind of, there is contact, but it's a it's a pretty poor attempt at a foul for me for Borna. Um, obviously, that leads to the, the the passage of play that ends up in the goal. Um, what was your thoughts on it as a kind of passage of play overall? Good That's a gallon for your curse, mate. Good start. I'm supposed to be uh, supposed to be experienced at this. Uh, it wasn't great. No, it, it really wasn't. Um, I think one of the comments said about uh, seeing the when Barisic's name was on the team sheet, you could sort of guess it. He has he, he played against Air United. He played against St Johnston. So they have he has rotated them game for game. Um, Barisic and uh, and Redvan and probably Silva and Dessers as well off the top of my head. Um, it's a tricky one because it's that rotation is only not an issue until it's until it's an issue and and until we we end up dropping points and I think when I understand the Barisic height aspect, however, Redfan's a better defender for me even even in physical contact. He's never he's not going to win hundreds of headers, but neither does Barisic. So it's if it's just about height, I can understand it. But everything else, I think for me, Redfan is much more aggressive, much more active. Um, so. If it was just standard rotation without really the game in mind, fair enough. If it was something specific, I don't really get it and it, and it never worked. Um, that passage of play, I think you're right. Um, Barisic being so left-footed and Daniel Armstrong being so left-footed as well, but playing on the right means he's going to want to cut in on his stronger foot, which is then on Barisic's weaker foot, and it's just a disaster, just a recipe waiting. A disaster for me, um, That when you've got that recipe there and it's just not going to, it's not going to work. So... Um, I was a bit concerned about it, I guess, first of all. And then obviously, like you said, that I mean, that passage to play, you can see what he's trying to do. You can see that he maybe has a slight touch in his back and he's went, well, I'll just go down and, and try and get the foul. But um, grabbing the ball as well is, is silly um, because that just gives the referee the, the option to, to do that and, and, and give the foul. Whereas if it just rolled out, um, it would have been all right. So it was really, really silly. Um, and it's one of those things that I think we've come to expect by him um, having the mentality there that when something goes wrong against him he just looks like he flaps and he flapped basically for most of the first half after that so no I wasn't wasn't thrilled by it um as a passage of play and I think there was another one or two possibly before the goal um another one or two where he had a wee bit of a, a rocky time as well so no not a great uh not a great start for him Oh, we're off to a flyer. They're scoring <laughs> on mute as well. Twice in the one night. Just noticed that. I was talking about a penalty and I thought that's what you were. <laughs> so, we'll talk about a penalty just now. Um, Bobby Madden put a kind of an interesting spiel up on Instagram today. And I'll just quietly read it out. So, he's talking about clip one. He's talking about the, the John Lundstrom handball. Um, he says on field decision penalty VAR intervention knowing what he says is it's easy to understand the live decision due to where the arm position finishes at the point of contact the arm is tight to the body and the defender does not make themselves naturally bigger difficult to understand why an on field review wasn't suggested and I still have the point contact presented to the referee if I can identify the image on my phone VAR should be able to find it with a system that's costing the clubs over a million, a million a year I don't think I need to ask any questions on that, Colin. What's your take, mate? 
Copy and paste it, and we've said um, the last year when it comes to VAR, the technology works. It's the idea that uses the technology that is the issue. Um, at, I was in another group chat at the time uh, last night, and at the time they said once some where his arm flays out, that will do him for the rest perception. But I don't, I've never been. A massive fan of Bobby Madden, um, but I think he is right there. Um, I may be being a wee bit biased, but I think VAR has to look at that and intervene. The, uh, the John Lundstrom, probably the only frustrating thing for me is he's turned his back. Um, but again, I, I think that's been a bit harsh if I'm looking for any sort of balance. Um, it's, it's not a penalty for me, Scott. You're fucking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I'll be a wee man, obviously. Um, Andrew, when the, the the cross comes in, John Lundstrom jumps and he's clearly got his arm by his side, but I think it's the motion of him jumping up in the air. I think the ball kind of touches his arm just as he's about to do it. Um, did it look like a penalty to you? Uh, no, I... I... I'm I'm going to be honest and put my cards on the table, um, and, and maybe I don't want to say exposed, but there was a lot of anger towards Barisic for the the leading up to the goal, to which I then put blame on Lundstrom for saying he acted like a he acted stupidly. I'm not going to use the words I used for for letting him hit his arm, but it was a purely in defence of Barisic because as the listeners would know. I, I, I would defend Barisic to help, uh, but last night... Let's again... explain properly what happened in the group <laughs> chat last night, Andrew. Borna Barisic acted like an absolute diva. We called it out, and you threw a tantrum because you're a Borna Barisic fan. And here's the, here's the kicker, though. <laughs> this is the, the pocket aces here, though, is I was already in, heading to type a message by the time you all were calling out Borna because I knew you were going to go and do it. That's the it's the spidey sense the tingling of the okay oh, here comes the the Borna brigade here um I'm well aware of it because a lot of people that sit behind me at Ibrox are the same um but yeah I I think after the heat of the moment Lonnie's been been hard done there I mean I, I, I compare it to I was I was at five aside last Sunday and I to block my face I had my hand there I mean it's not making my body any bigger. And it's the what is it? It's in line of your body. It's your silhouette. It's making moving your hand towards the ball. And I went, well, it doesn't tick any of the boxes. Um, I think it was a a little case of the it wouldn't look good according to the opposition manager that that penalty wasn't given against Rangers. That's how we've seen it happen before. Rangers get a late penalty. Oh, it doesn't look good, and and all that all that comes along with that statement. Um, so I, I don't want to say it's the pressure again, but. It, it, it would point towards it. Aye, definitely. Hey, Adam, see sticking on kind of refereeing performance. I noticed when the penalties awarded, Butlin's never left standing in it in it. And the ref kind of comes and basically tells him to go on his line. Now, yep. Jack Butland is more than entitled to stand behind his line if that's what he wants, if he wants to do. As long as he's on that line when the kick's taken, um, he's doing everything correct in my eyes, but he actually had to tell the referee to kind of keep the referee right on it. Um, what was your thoughts first of all on a on a Lundstrom penalty and then the, that situation? Yeah, so we were at the I was at the left hand side, so pretty much a, a decent view of it. Um, left hand side of their right hand side of the goals if you're facing the goals, but left hand side from the from the stand. And uh, yeah, I kind of thought the same. Um, as you've said, his arm goes up, but it's inside his silhouette um there is a movement i guess after he's hit the ball where his arm does go up the way and and you could maybe i can i can understand the referee giving that and thinking right but getting it reviewed i think i couldn't see many uh screenshots and images uh, videos etc during the game obviously because it wasn't live on on sky so it was tough to get the replays in the, the stadium but for me that, that wasn't a penalty um at all um in terms of yeah, the referee thing, I'm going to be honest. That when I seen Butland behind his, his line, I was like, right, can you can you get in front of your line, please? But I know keepers do do that when they they jump in and they want to give themselves that like spring almost to spring forwards and and across. So kind of understood it. Um, the referee should absolutely know that though. And I, I mean, not going to make excuses or anything, but you're you're sort of putting the goalkeeper off there. It's similar to 
um, when when the keeper goes and takes the ball and takes it off the penalty spot, it's to kind of wind people up and try and put them off balance. So um, that could have happened there. So I think the referee needs to needs to leave that alone personally because it is something that happens everywhere. I guess we don't see many penalties against Rangers, and we've only seen what two now against Butland. So we don't really know what his what his style is there. Um, if he wants to do that, he's entitled to it, like you said. You want to jump in, Colin, just in the, the meantime? Aye, fine. Um, so, <laughs> Andrew, I, I want to ask you about this Jack Bond in general. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard this. I've heard a few folks say that Jack Bond doesn't give them the same confidence in penalties as Alan McGregor. And I think that's absolutely wild. And I don't I, I don't really know what they're basing that on, but we've got a handful at most. Um, Adam's just said two. I suppose a bigger question in general, how much onus do you put on the keepers to be terrific at saving penalties because it's I think the odds are stacked against them? Being a, a successful keeper at penalties is defies statistic because keepers always have the disadvantage in that situation, hence it's a penalty. I mean, you don't, you don't get a, a free shot from that range and expect... like if, if it's open play, for example, nine times out of ten you expect the striker to put the ball in the net unless it's Cyril Dessers but I mean I, I, I think it just shows how good Alan McGregor maybe was at it as a it's just him being you know lively to the situation guesswork I suppose um, I have to give extra credit to the penalty takers that managed to beat Jack Button because if it was me standing that close to Jack Button I'd get lost in his eyes and I'd put the ball over the bar <laughs> um, but fair play I mean it was, you look at the penalty, it was actually well struck. I suppose, you think, I listened to, I think it was maybe David Seaman that was talking about the penalty against, what's say, Portugal, I could be wrong. Um, but he was saying that it was a late penalty, late, I think it was Ronaldo actually, late in the game, you know, I suppose in that in that case, it's a nil-nil, so you want to make the save situation where he said Ronaldo outsmarted them because he knew that if the keeper didn't make a move, if he stood still, it would look poorly on the keeper. He's not trying for it. He's not making an effort. So in that case, he knows he's going to pick a side. Therefore, he puts it down the middle. But um, I, I mean, that's what uh, that's three penalties he's scored in the league. Armstrong uh, after last night, that was his third out of the f- that's five now. I think he scored in the league. Um, so I mean, but they don't see anybody saying about it as a penalty conspiracy for for Kilmarnock and that. Armstrong does what Armstrong does or anything like that so that goes against the headlines so we'll move on from it Right so um, Armstrong stepped up to his penalty well Adam I thought on the first half as a whole Rangers were were quite sluggish in their play um, quite lightweight up top nothing was really clicking for Ross McCausland, I think initially he started the game really well. He was doing them sort of driving runs, causing some problems. Um, with two corner goals and headers before the goal, two or three headers that he potentially should have finished back, he finished. Um, but on, on terms of the first half, I think all the all the substitutions come on made were quite warranted, weren't they? Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, I think his reasoning was was sound. I guess McCausland hasn't. Hasn't started. I think the last the last couple, and you can understand that when you're when you're a young player, he's played a lot of football now over the last three or four months. Um, bringing him out a little bit makes makes sense. Obviously, he's, he's still coming on in games, so um, to see him in the starting lineup, I guess, was maybe a little bit of a surprise there, to be honest. But um, I think he said pre-game Sterling has Sterling's ankle flares up a little bit on on plastic pitches, um, so. Maybe didn't want to give him give him the full game, so um, I'm not sure it was planned in terms of half each. I think it probably would have been 16 and 30 minutes, say. Um, but I think it probably was needed at that point to bring in someone with a bit more, uh, a bit more running power, a bit more physicality on on that side. I think was was ideal, um, and I, I guess it's it's quite interesting because you wouldn't think that Sterling would offer more in terms of goals and assists or, or even final third passes than someone who is naturally a, a, a winger but um, what he was doing was winning the ball back in key areas and passing it off to someone who can then um, create it which um, with his physicality there and with Kilmarnock uh, maybe tiring in the second half as well I think we've seen a lot of benefits so there was no no debate about it for me 
um, I think when when McCausland was swapped for for Sterling, um, and then the other substitutions in terms of Barisic uh, going off, I think everybody probably thought that that should happen and, and would happen. Um, and Red Van came on and, and did fine. Um, the other one, Dessers for Silva, yeah, I think again he said it was just rotation. I don't think Silva had a, a a great game. He's maybe not. I hate when people say he's not that type of player, but he's maybe not the type of player now at this age to dominate two physical centre-halves on his own who are just intent and sort of defending and not really doing much else. I think Dessers and the form he's in and how um, lively he looks and how fit he looks, um, I think he he was the one that, that really, I thought, sparked a, a difference up front. Um, could have had a hat-trick again for, what, the fifth the fifth game in a row, probably. He could, have had a, he could have had a hat-trick, so he just seems to get himself into these positions. Silva does a lot of work in the channels, but I think we were just missing... Um, someone else up there who can sort of run in behind um, and I think we've seen that with Dessers in the second half, he got a, a good few opportunities with that sort of long ball over for him to, to go and chase, so um, I think the manager was spot on with the two subs at half time like you said, but then also the, the McCausland one as well Colin um, we'll, we'll stay on Ross McCausland quickly before we get into the substitutions Ross McCausland's getting a wee bit of stick just now Um because I think he's at a stage where he's development where, like Adam says, he needs managed, he needs maybe brought out the team probably well, needs refreshed, so to speak. Um, do you think any of this criticism Ross McCausland getting is warranted? There's a, there's a few comments saying that he's not good enough, he's no Rangers level. Um, <laughs> everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I think as a support, we are a nightmare. Um, we said it time and time again, um, and we're not the only podcast to say it. I think we like the idea that young players come through until we actually see what that entails, and you know that that's we've seen that with Leon King, we've seen that way plenty of plenty of players as well. Um, what's really annoying me is the whole pointing to Ross because of his age and saying he's not a young player. We need to get, this might sound silly, we, we need to get the actual physical age out of our heads and just look at experience and development. He's still developing. Like You get by 20-year-olds, young 20-year-olds, you get 20-year-olds who've played 200 games. Ross McCausland has only played 29 senior games. Yeah, he's played a lot in the Warland League, he's played a lot for the Rangers B, but actual senior-level games, 29 games, he is still learning. He's still, he's still, he's still transitioning from an academy player into a into a first team player. We need to be patient. If we're only patient, we only going to give any young players any time unless uh, a Barry Ferguson. I I would need to agree with that. Need to agree with that. I think as a support, we need to try and be a bit more lenient with young players when they come in. Um, Andrew. We'll come on to kind of second half now. First half played out as it did. Um, come on, rang a changes at half time. Um, the biggest, the best substitution for me was bringing Sterling on for McCausland because I think Sterling, I thought their left back is at Endor. thought he was having a, a, a really good game. It was just basically picking off McCausland at any opportunity he could get, if that's fair to say. Sterling came in and gave him a completely different challenge. Um, do you think that's a position Sterling can now challenge for his right midfield, or would you like to see maybe more minutes given to Zach Lovelace when he's due to come back? Well, I think uh, whoever whoever needs to be swapped out of the team, if Sterling isn't starting, if it's front to back, I mean, even give Jack Butland a rest and get Sterling in the goals, I'm sure it'll be fine. Just as as how good Dujon's been. Um, I think you're you're spot on. I think, as I said earlier on, the, the big back four that they've got, Sterling's probably more on par with Corey and He's a big boy. I mean, he's he's young, he's he's athletic, and he's. It was just too much for Ross to handle. Um, you'll learn the tips of the trade as he gets older. Is how you t- you beat these big giants compared to him. Um, but I think for the time being, where when you need to find a goal now and not two years down the line when Ross is 22, 23 or something. When he's a bit older, then we need to focus on the now as we're in a title race as it, as it stands. Get the solution on that's going to work for us. Um, I'm sure Phil will manage Ross. I don't think Ross will take it too much to heart. I think that's just the way that, that Phil can handle these situations. But 
Dujon is he's just a monster. That's the only way I can, I can think of. He's just he's so he's just athletic as the days long, and it's something completely different for Ndaba to deal with. I mean, as he might have been thinking that oh, they might bring off McCausland, and, and in that case, he's maybe thinking, oh, they might go for the conventional like for like and go Scott Wright as a, as a replacement, and to which is kind of more of the same, the smaller, slighter, maybe slightly a, a more agile player he's gonna have to deal with, but. Phil goes with um, the try what he's always what he's been trying and testing the last couple of games and having Dujon attacking the wide areas and, and just I think we've got an actual absolutely special player on our hands. Um, I didn't know about the, the ankle thing with the flare up as you said, Adam, with the, the, the plastic pitch, and I suppose that again that's a minus point for Scottish football to allow these plastic pitches to kick around. But as I thought, I heard that Kelly are ripping that up at the end of the season. Um, so that's that's one down and one to go as it stands. Well, we don't know if Levy are going to stay up, but we'll get to that towards the end of the season. Um, I thought he handled that, that match-up well. I think it, given the, the fact that Kelly had played quite high and, and, and really didn't give the full-backs much time in the ball, having a wee bit more strength for Sterling to even come back and support Tav um, probably helps us our breakout as a team instead of us trying to I think we were trying to pass through the lines, we couldn't get it to stick in the middle of the park because of the, the kind of stranglehold they had in the wide areas. But um, as I said, Sterling's just, he's, he's special. I mean, uh, I, I was going to say that the Vince McMahon clip, but I don't think you can say his name anymore. The, he's, special. he's special. You and your wrestling partner, by the way. It made me sick. But um, no, no, the subs absolutely brought so much more energy uh, into the second half. And I, I want to turn to the goals, um, Adam. I've been looking when I found out you were coming on. Uh, I was looking forward um, to the day to to get you talk about the the first goal. I know you've been a staunch Tavernier defender. Um, you know this is kind of like I don't know. See when you get a hard time at school um, and you go and get your 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 bigger, stronger pal. This is it for me. The listeners in the comments have been hounding me for ages, saying Tav. He's not good enough. He's not a Rangers captain. He shipped a, a goal against, I don't know, Dunfermline or something three years ago. And But t- tell them why they're wrong. Well, uh, for, for me, it's always been about risk versus reward, um, I, I think, is is the main thing with Rangers fullbacks ever since, even before Gerard, ever since then. We've used our fullbacks um, in a way that to get them into the final third and being our main source of width. And then under Gerard, that was absolutely what happened. We, we moved from playing with wingers and we played with the two twin tens behind Morelos and the fullbacks were the source of width. So they played higher up the pitch. We had that midfield three of Jack, Kamara and Davis. So they play high up the pitch. What that then means is every action has a reaction. There's space behind the fullbacks that other players need to cover. That's just a fact. We're, we're deciding that that's the role. Therefore, other players need to cover behind. So when... A goal comes down the left-hand side and people see that it's came from that corner. They think, where's the right back? He's up the park. Well, he's up the park because he's scored whatever it is now, 250-odd goals and, and, and assists in, in eight years. He's up there doing what we've struggled with outside of Morelos um, for the last six or seven years, putting up numbers and scoring at that side. So, yes, he's out of position as far as that counts, but the tactical structure is supposed to be there that people were covering for him. Um, I think it's now a little bit more complex than that and he has got a slightly different role and he plays a little bit further back but then you also see there isn't really that many opportunities now where he does get caught out um, there aren't many like you said I, one of the last goals I can remember maybe is potentially the Maeda one um, where he gets caught um, at Ibrox. Um but other than that I mean for me it's before the Europa League final probably even before 55 where there's, there's anywhere close to a regular pattern of teams conceding teams scoring down down his flank. So um I, I don't know what it is with people. I don't know if it's just people make their mind up uh Scottish Cup final twenty sixteen and just refuse point blank to change it. Um even though he's if if he lost that Scottish Cup final on his own, he's just won one he's just won a cup final pretty much on his own two months ago and it's uh it's still not um it's still not enough. Um, so I, I don't I don't know what it is. Um, but for me, it's always been risk or reward. The amount of goals he has scored and assisted is 
so high, so much higher than any potential defensive issue that he that he's caused off off the back. It you're talking five, ten percent probably um, of the goals that he scored. He's he's been involved. He's directly been involved in in causing. So um, yeah, I, I never get it. I don't know. Uh, it's one of those things that when a team is playing badly, you absolutely look to the captain. Um, but you, I feel like over the last eight to ten years, you could put in some of the best captains Rangers have ever had um, and just just dropping them into this team, I don't think does um, so much that they end up winning seven, eight, nine, ten trophies. I just don't think it works like that. Similarly, if you put Tavernier into the nine in a row team, you're probably talking about an even bigger Hall of Famer if he goes in there and puts those numbers in that team. It's the context of the overall team, I think, that um, people judge on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have been ever since that first free kick against Hibs, I thought he'll, he'll do for me. That was that was incredible. Um and ever since then, I've just it's the, the risk and reward. I just see the benefit that he brings. I see that every manager has made him the key attacking outlet and he steps up time and time again in those in those big moments. So uh, I'm at the stage now where any criticism I just it just washes over me. I don't I just can't I can't take it seriously without being offensive to people. I just don't understand what what people aren't seeing. And the only thing it can be is just stubbornness to to change their opinion, I think. So yeah. We, we love a scapegoat as a support. I mean, it's um, we, we've all had them. Um, but Andrew, Adam picked up a couple of good points there, though, and how different managers have used them. And I think um, I think Tavernier really has benefited from other players stepping up in this this shape. So he's he's no quite the gung ho go forward all attack. Um, he. It doesn't have to be because other other players are contributing. We're getting assists, we're getting contributions, we're getting goals for elsewhere on the pitch. It shouldn't be the case that your right back is bailing you out, but it's a nice to have right now, Andy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think um, I wholeheartedly agree with with both of you is that if you if you feel like you have to label any player as is the problem, Tavernier is so far down that list. <laughs> it's ridiculous how he's the first one that seems to get get singled out. Um, I mean, then you, Colin, you'll know me when it comes to never giving up on players. I think I must be, I don't know, I, I must be the top of the table when it comes to holding out on players. I'm still, oh, you're stuck. a pain in the arse. You're, you're still, you're still edging for Scott Wright to get a regular. I was slot. just about to say that. I still think uh, there's a player in there. I, I think you do just to annoy me. I'll be honest. <laughs> But think of it, it's at least a 50% conversion rate because Matondo's come good this season. And I I, I, des- I I said I deserve a medal for the not drinking part. I deserve a scout. I deserve to be a scout in, in any professional football club. And I'll tell you, this boy's still got it. Don't don't give up on him because Matondo mania has run wild this season. Um, and it, it will continue to do so when he's when he's back um, from that injury. The only thing that can beat Rabi is... Uh, is injury, unfortunately, but that just proves he's human. That's the main thing. It proves he's human, like the rest of us. Um, but yes, yeah. on but, back on Etav, like because I know you're <laughs> going to tell me that I've detoured. Uh, I get that, but the Matondo switch flicker. Sorry, um, I think as I'm saying, I think it's. I feel like it's the starting position of both the the fullbacks is a wee bit lower in the park, um, which means I think there's a kind of pressure taking off both of them to the the fact that they're not feeling they're they're exposed um because they have that lower starting position they're not gonna have to track back as far it isn't like they're gonna have to chase the whole other half of the pitch to win the ball back or, or whatever um i think that just the starting position is taking the kind of pressure off them um and saying that i've seen sometimes this season where you've got them coming inside a wee bit more and i think red van was in the middle of the park earlier yeah. in one of the, i think it's a just a, a better, a more structured kind of that compared to with the wing backs in, in the midfield. I think uh, they're not being treated as their own entity. Of <laughs> just taking, they, they get treated differently to the rest of the back line or or compared to where the midfielders are. But um, I think that just shows the class of the manager. Um, he's come in, and I mean, I've seen we've seen Tav and the, whoever the opposite left back would be over his time at the club. Um, been implemented in a few ways, and I think this one's sticking probably the best I've seen it. I mean, I obviously Tav scored so many goals in the fifty-five season, but that was like ultra attacking, where Tav was essentially the second striker. Um, 
I remember seeing the there was the how Rangers won the title BBC documentary of the fifty five season and Richard Foster was talking about how how Borna and Tavard are working so high up the park and there was a, a, a face of jealousy of the fact that it was never gonna be him that would bend the box scoring those goals. Um but that it just shows how how good he is to continue to be, you know, reworked into a different structure, a different style and it just works so effortlessly. So you brought up wrestling, you brought up Ricky Foster, you're a Stevie Wicker away for uh, for sending off. Um, yeah. Adam, be, be keen to get your thoughts. Also, we, we spoke quite a lot on the wide options we have and just before we'd run to a second goal, but sorry, Andy is uh, um, uh, head of the Matondo Mania Loyal. Um, but Seema, for me, he was out uh, with Jack Butler and he was a player of the year uh, before he, he got injured. Um, we've seen Cortez come in, Rangers trust that he's when off injured, hopefully that's not too bad. McCausland is going to be inconsistent, and then you know Scott Wright is limited in what he can do. So how do you how, how do you see your, your wide options? Because I'm very conscious of it's we're getting a lot of players contributing, but I don't like shoehorning too many players out out of their natural position. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's an interesting thing because the manager has. He's shown a bit of flexibility, I think, with, with Tom Lawrence going a little bit deeper and with Sterling playing everywhere, really. Um, but I guess on the wings, he's maybe not. I mean, there has been some times during games where McCausland and, and Wright have, have maybe played on the left a little bit. Um, I know Wright, Wright came on um, last night there, but I think more often than not, he's he sort of set himself that it's Matondo and Cortez on the left and then Wright and McCausland on on the right, um, I think a few people might have been surprised. I think Cortez played a fair bit on the right before he came. He has played on the left and, and through the middle as well. So he does have he does have that flexibility there. Um, but I think he's probably settled down now to having. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Maybe some creation on the right hand side with McCausland somebody that can link up quite nicely with Cantwell and play balls into Dessers etc and, and that kind of way but then on the other side they want somebody maybe just a little bit more explosive, um, somebody who's got the pace to go beyond somebody that can cut in and score all three of them um, have have scored a goal like that this season Matondo, Sima and, and Cortez cutting in on the right hand side to, to score so I think that's quite clear, that's maybe what he's looking for, the, the profile on either side um, but and saying that, as you said, it, there's a flexibility there that I think all of them really can play on either side as well, and and some of them can even play up front. Um, as we've seen maybe in in Sima uh, and Cortez's case, I think they could they could probably fill in up up top if they had to in a in a pinch. So, um, from I guess from being worried when when uh, Michael Beal moved back to wingers and we only really had Sima and Matondo and Wright, I guess at that point. Um, from being worried there, uh, and then bringing in Cortez in uh, in the window, it's I wouldn't say it's looking strong, but I think they've for me they've all probably contributed. Um, Sima certainly, um, but they'll also have probably contributed more than I, I think I might even have expected from them at this stage. So, um, yeah, same as everything, it's it's pretty positive. Um, but I do still think obviously we don't know what will happen in the summer with. Sima and Cortez, Matondo will be halfway through his contract as well. Is, it, is there a, an opportunity there? He is, as, as I think you said, he's that type of player, that type of profile that teams will, will probably want to come in for him. He's still quite young. He's got pace to burn. He can finish. He's had a couple of, he's had a good season, certainly in Belgium, through the Man City Academy. There might be some opportunities there that 
if he wants to go and become a starter, we might be able to get some some money there. So you don't know um, what's going to happen. So I think there probably still is some some work to do there. And probably I think the wide options are, are probably where most of the work probably still needs to be done. But I think the ones that are there have been very good in some cases and, and more than good enough, I think, for the, the short period of time they've been in. One area that we don't really have... Um... Well, I was going to say we don't have too many issues, but Todd Campbell's out. But so I talk about a number 10. We've seen Dio Mandy contribute there. Silver's got a wee run out there. But Scott, um, you've joined just at the right time because I want you to talk to through Tom Lawrence's role. And just, I, I was really surprised that we've seen him play two games in a week, um, particularly when one is um, a plastic pitch. Um, again, if you're just looking at the game in isolation, it makes sense to play Tom Lawrence. That's his kind of game. Um, I'm delighted that he did play. I'm delighted that he did stay on. And just his quick thinking, what I really love about our midfielders now, Scott, is they just like to take a shot, whether that's the edge of the box, inside mm-hmm. the box, or no fear. Aye, they're certainly very direct. The midfielders we've got at the club now. Um <clears throat> I think Tom Lawrence didn't have any injury, a bad injury record before he came to Rangers. It's only since he signed he's started picking up these injuries. So I think I've seen in recent weeks the way the way come on is managing Lawrence is the right way because we've seen him come back and get flung into consecutive matches and his body breaks down on him. So it's a case of building him back up, so to speak. Todd Cantwell's not there for the next <clears throat> three or four weeks causes a bit of an issue. Um, I'm not sure how far away Alex Lowry, how Alex Lowry is. He's a wee bit of a forgotten man because he's come back but he's loaned by Hearts injured. So that's another option if he's due back soon. Um, Tom Lawrence was, was built for that game last night. He's, he's, he's Even his direct running, what one is a free kick that Tavernier pinged in. <clears throat> and then he's quick thinking with a throw in, um, taking the free kick quickly as well. Um, Thought he follows it in, the ball, as usual, comes back off a desert somehow and Lawrence for a, it's, it's a lovely finish. It's a really, really lovely finish. His celebration was the best bit about his performance, but Colin. I, I'll be honest, I've missed the celebration. I was, I, I was just fucking... <laughs> I don't know where I was looking. I was just yeah, relieved. I, I didn't see a celebration. <laughs> I think I hit the ceiling when when that ball hit the back of the net. I'm not going to lie to you, um, and I feel sorry because my dog was sitting in the living room with us as well, and I think that was a fright and a half as me and my dad both jumped off the couch and enjoy watching that game and that goal specifically. And as you said, Scotty, that that's, Aye, a, that's, a, that's a cracker. See some of the, the stills mm-hmm. of that, and the raindrops behind that superhero stuff. Thing is, I, I seen on Twitter after it that. Come on to take them off because they'd get a bit of a knock. I don't know. I, I read it was a thigh issue, and then I heard there was something wrong with his eyesight. So I, I hope that's not him kind of back in the treatment table again because he's played a couple of consecutive matches. But I'm hoping not because he's, fi- he's finally finding a wee bit of form again. So, Andrew, you've hit the roof after that goal, uh, like most is, and I said in the post match last night and at the start of this pod. I was very nervous throughout watching that game, and um, I'm I'm not going to re, re, rewrite my predictions. But when I done the preview pod with the Kilmarnock podcast, I did say my concern was that Kilmarnock will make it tough, and they'll either they'll either keep Rangers at bay for right into the second half and make it frustrated, or they'll get an early goal, and it'll all be about how Rangers come back for that um, so I changed it, we went 1-0 down, we came back for it uh, many many of us on the pod were saying this might be the most difficult away game out with Parkhead um, what does this, does this change anything or tell you anything differently for what you've already said about the title race um, I, I think uh, I did say that this would put us in a really good um, position, but when I said that at the time, I expected them to drop points somewhere along the way, as was their kind of position at that time. They've managed to navigate their games correctly, but to be fair, that's no real issue that where we're going to have to face them at some point. Whether or not we were a couple more points ahead or not, doesn't really matter. We still got to face that challenge when it comes. Uh, but as 
as Clement will tell you, we're just doing our job. Um, take it a game at a time um, and just keep plugging away, keeping focused on on the match ahead of us. Um, and we did that. I thought it was a, a, we said at the start of the season there, well, I said at the start of the season that with the, the, kind of the Eindhoven away trip and then park against the Celtic at, at Ibrox, but probably the, a really two massive fixtures, obviously with that would have kept us progressing in the Champions League and in the first goal form of the season, gets you off to a good start, but given how the rest of the season's played out, probably two massive games <laughs> in comparison is, is at that point you're really feeling deflated with getting dumped out of the Champions League and conceding the first goal form of the season to, to them in, in the, the uh, very frustrating way that we did. Um, where we felt that the lows and it kind of snowballed into Aberdeen at Ibrox and that, that was the end for Michael Beale. Um but I mean well, it just shows where we are that we're navigating these ties and and I've got a feeling uh, I don't think the manager was as nervous as, as we are as fans but that's because uh, we, we've seen this, this we've got the scars to show for it over the last few years uh, the, the post-Christmas blues and that, that's a good point, Adam. I'll bring you in this because I know you've watched many uh, successful Rangers sides and many uh, unsuccessful sides, shall we say. But uh, young Andrew, he, him and Scott Young of the podcast keep on talking about that this is our first proper title race in memory and I keep on reminding them that they are horrible. No same person enjoys a title race until it's done. Um, uh, in terms of bringing a bit of rationality to um, and taking a step back Rangers yesterday where was it as nervy as a second half or is this just going to be something that we, we feel in the emotion as the game's rolling <coughs> I was nervous pre-game when I was waiting in the queue to get in and, and I seen uh, I seen the manager's RTV comments where, where he said oh, this will be a really big win if we get it and I was like oh don't say that that's just a recipe for disaster uh, there um, it was a big one I I don't know if it was a big one because of the title race, and I don't mean that to be um, flippant, but we've lost it, or we've not won at Rugby Park more times than we have won um, since we came back up uh, in 2016. I think it's just there in Celtic Park, really, that we have that that negative record. So um, it is a difficult place for us to go, um, and I know people say that about grounds like Easter Road and Livingston, and we win, we win every time, and it doesn't really work out that way but this is we do struggle there um we've seen a couple of title challenges falter in january february at rugby park and in recent memory so um i think i was nervous about it because we were pretty ropey very ropey for the first 50 minutes or so of the game um commandant were doing well we know they're flying we know that um daniel armstrong creates all those chances they they're very very good at what they do um and they do it well. They do it well. They've got the third best home record in the league. All, all these things sort of tying up into it. I thought it was going to be a difficult game anyway. Um, in terms of the title race, I think getting those two goals back is is brilliant, and it pulls us back in it to to win the game. Um, but I was very very nervous for that last twenty minutes or so because um, it was more about, I guess, that statement about where this team is. I think if the manager will say one one game at a time. We know it's a difficult game. We know we played terribly for the first 50 minutes. We got ourselves back in it through two moments of uh, of individual brilliance. And it's just about getting that over the line, I think, as a sort of mentality marker to win that game, to come back and win that game. Um, he's not had loads of tests in that way, the manager, in terms of like falling behind and, and, and coming back to win. Um, I think from memory, is that maybe the Hearts game at Ibrox and then that one or maybe the only two times Aberdeen, that we've I think. Did we came, back to win, came back oh, to win back um, maybe obviously that, that was a that was a draw so I think that's maybe the, the only two you factor in the pitch and the conditions and the team as well this one it's it's not Ibrox it's Rugby Park so in isolation I think that was really really big and I was really nervous about that Um doesn't help when you're sitting there at half time and you see the the, the result for Parkhead as, as well obviously but um I think that just all adds into it and, and how big a how big a result it was and how the players pulled it out um the bag in the second half and and uh, to be honest I watched the second half back uh, earlier on today um couple of moments um but nothing really untowards after after the goals that that would have had you been nervous about it it wasn't exactly an onslaught on on Butland's goal so in the cold 
reality a day. It was probably a bit more calm than than uh, a bit more calm than than it was last night, certainly. But yeah, I think it's a big statement, definitely for where the team is as well. And then it's also a big statement, I think, in in the title race to to get the three points there as as well as um at the weekend. So yeah. And it's amazing how different these type of games can be in a different context. Again, six months ago, if we have that type of win, a, a turgid, yep. a turgid win coming back, fair behind. But that's what you're doing every week. It's it's all doom and gloom. But off the back, eh, a terrific performance against Hearts, brilliant uh, win against Ross County as well. The momentum's there. It's just a, you know, it's not even a blip. It's just. You take no. the positive more than negative. You have to because if we if we played that if we played that game and we were ten points behind Celtic, um, and we were getting beat and we <clears> pulled out the fire and then we only end up still ten points behind Celtic, it's it's not it's not really a good thing. Like it's because we've had a really terrible game. Okay, we've got the win, but we've not got any further, so we're, we're sort of just treading water. Whereas in this one, you pull it out of the bag, you then go back to the top of the league and game um, and retain the the place that you won at the. Um, a couple of weeks ago, so that yeah, that's huge because you're sort of falling back a little bit, but then you go and get yourselves in there. It's all about the context, like you said, hundred percent. And in that context, Scott, uh, Motherwell, Ibrox, and, and Saturday uh, before we go into the Benfica game, um, I expect Ibrox will be bouncing on Saturday because we do have that feel good factor. We we are taking the positives for this. We're taking this as no getting over the line. And just straight three points. We're seeing this as a market champions. I think for the most part, we're, we're, we're daring to say that, but we can't get too ahead of ourselves. So, so with that, Motherwell, good win yesterday um, uh, against Livingston. Do you change much on Saturday? Um, it's a good question. I probably it will rotate again. Um, I think Florence is fit. He starts. Um, Dessers, I can't see why he wouldn't play. I thought he was okay yesterday when he came in. He was, he'd done a lot better than what Silva did in the first half. These matches are your bread and butter. The important part of the title race for me. Your home games against, without any disrespect, the, the opposition that you're, you're expecting to beating turn over Saturday's a chance. And there's games like that we've struggled in the last couple of years. <laughs> 100% mate. Because we're in the title race now, let's like, see if you, you go back to 2003 and you think, hey, like, away to Dens Park where Barry misses his two penalties and Arteta and we, we squeeze a point, like, we better strap ourselves in because I'm fully expecting games like that in, to happen. So, and I was, a, I was a bit younger in 2003. In fact, it was 20, 20 years ago, so it was only 13 when it happened. But it's games against Motherwell. Celtic came out and gave us a statement last night and the result against Dundee, there's no getting away from that. They closed the goal difference in. Now it's a chance for us with them away to Hearts to, to put a bit of pressure back on, get a few goals back in the ball. Obviously, the important thing is three, three points, but I don't know if I'm beginning to get a, a degree of confidence in this team under Philippe. Come on, because I'm like, aye, we will go, we will go, we will beat Motherwell on Saturday, no problem. But how many goals are we going to score? That's the chain of thought I'm on now. Um, if I'm being too cocky, feel free. But I just feel that where this team is, I mean, we've been talking about them being mentality monsters for like nearly every point we've been on calling. But how like the cup final was important, the Danilo header against Hearts was important. All these kind of wee things have have helped build momentum. The three the three two win away to Batiste was massive, and last night was was another one of them milestones for this squad. Um. So I fully expect us to go and do the job against Motherwell on Saturday before we get a, a really, really tricky tie against Benfica next week. Andrew, on that then, I think um, one thing that's fair to call out is uh, Rangers have really kicked on since the best game. You know, I think we've seen signs of improvement, but it was really after we got the Europa League done and dusted, then the Cup final one, we've seen a more consistent run of form, some high performances. Um, we're now back to playing constantly mid midweek. We played yesterday, Motherwell on Saturday, then Benfica on Sunday, uh, Thursday, sorry. We've got the Hibs away in the Cup on the Sunday, ben, Benfica again. So we're going to see a lot of rotation here. Um, and I think this will, how we navigate this, definitely 
especially in the league, will go a long way to how we on um, come May. Um, so with that in mind, would you change much on, on Saturday? Um, I, I'm kind of less focused on whether or not I would change much as to the fact that if those changes are made, that the players aren't going to be too domino-affected into being in a bad frame of mind. I think, obviously, the, the gaffer had said that. We've got players who, who want to play all the time, and although sometimes that's not possible, they're all bought into the story that he likes. I love uh, hearing about the story. Um, so I think uh, the group of players are probably being realistic in themselves that they'll know that they'll, they they could be in in the squad, they could be out of the squad. Um, but it's obviously for the absolute best intentions. And and it's got that um, you know I think we're we're in a good place. Um, so that, as I said that. I think most of the Rangers fans will be happy if there is. They won't be too upset for changes unless Burner's name maybe pops back up in the team sheet. That might piss off some of the, the crowd after uh, last night. Um, obviously, with me, that's not always true. But... Right, we, we need to address that, but <laughs> Borna Barris is just going to play between now and then. Of course. We don't have another left-back, and I know people will be saying that Dujon Sterling can play there, but he he's too busy playing up front. Like he, we are going to have to play ball in the bad decision. I think we need to accept that. Yes, we can't accept performances like last night, but him, short right, French players are going to have to play. Of course, that that's, I said this when the kind of Dessers brigade, the, the oh, he's he's awful, he's awful, that kind of stuff. It was the here's your reality, Rangers support. Lawrence Shankland is not here. <laughs> so we have Danilo who's injury, injured. We have Seema who could play up front but is injured. <laughs> we have Silva who we brought in as, as reinforcements, which is good. And is I, I like him as a player. And if if he starts, then I'm happy with that. And then you've got Dessers who, if as long as we keep getting behind him and we are realistic that if he has 10 chances that are sitters, he's not going to score 10 of them, but he might score four of them. Uh, uh, even that might be over the top. He'll score at least two, as we found in most of the games recently. Um, that's that's how it is. We're, we're not in a position since it's not the January window and we're not a Man City to go and buy the £25 million 30 goal a season striker. We just need to back the players that we've got. And I think that's one of the things that the manager has been brilliant with is that the fact that if you don't like the player and and he's, he, you don't rate him and we, we get on his back and we and we say all the, the, the bad things about them on social media, it's not it's definitely just gonna keep cementing the fact they're not gonna do brilliant in front of the park. Where have we seen that a crowd maybe uh, not being happy about a certain player can keep them out of a team? Um or maybe a certain player's uh, nationality across the side of the city. But um we'll move away from that. Um just uh, we have to really remember. I mean, it's these players are, are human. Uh, I hate to say the cliche, but it's bloody true. If you if you get in the back of a striker for him missing a chance, if he is one on one, he will feel the fact that he's going to get it again if he misses that chance. Dessers is that player. If he misses that chance, we just need to suck it up and go. Well, we'll see if he scores the next one. Alfie wasn't brilliant with that. Alfie had the. A good few chances, but it was the he just can't think about it because if he does think about it, it's not going to go in the net. But I mean, we should. We, I was hoping that with this kind of, you know, archetype of a striker that it needs to be off his foot as soon as he gets it. That that you know we we're we're more prone to knowing that's happening instead of it being a surprise and forgetting that we don't have an Mbappe or a Haaland who's just prolific up top. So, I think that will bring us to a close there, gentlemen. Um, uh, I think we've, we're all feeling fairly fairly confident for Saturday, I'm going to guess. But Adam, as you are, I guess, I'll come to you first. First of all, thanks very much for coming on. It's been excellent to have you. But no we always round off um, with a goodbye to the listeners and a prediction for Saturday. But first of all, for anybody who's been living under a rock and is watching tonight, where can they find you? Uh, if you want to hear how much shit I talk, you can get me on, on Twitter at, uh, at Adamski152. Um, 95% of it is sarcastic and not serious, but hopefully the other 5% is uh, is worth a, a, worth a, a read. Um, 
and then obviously on heart and hand uh yeah we've got a tactic show on on there um next episode will be out tomorrow night i think so you can get us get us over there um and yeah thanks for having me on it's been a been a pleasure and what's your prediction for saturday so that's interesting because there is probably quite a lot of changes that that he could make. Even though we're, I'm going to guess Lawrence and Cortez. Cortez definitely, I don't think we'll will make that game. I doubt he'll risk Lawrence. Um, even if he was just uh, coming off as a precaution, um, given he has played the the last two. So there's a lot he can do. Um, which will I guess impact how we we think the team can can play. Um, maybe Silva and Dessers will play as a as a nine and a ten. Sterling probably starts wide right. You're then thinking, is it between right and McCausland for the left hand side, or, or does Sterling start over there? Um, left back issue, like you mentioned, maybe Balogun comes in to give Suter a break, who's been who's been great, but he'll he'll need to play in Europe, so maybe he comes in. So there's a lot there, and I think that will impact uh, the result. But I think Scott said earlier on, we're now at the stage where um, we're going expecting wins and expecting, particularly at home, expecting really good performances. Um, the goals have started to fly in. I think each of the each of the last three uh, home games, there's been a lot of goals, a lot of chances, uh, and we've done we've done quite well. So um, I don't see anything different tomorrow. Um, when I was uh, when Walter Smith came back and I was 21, 22, uh, I made a fortune at the bookies by doing 2-0 Rangers, 3-0 Rangers. So I think we're, if those days are back now, um, I'll be delighted with it. Um, and I'll go for I'll go for the higher end of that. I'll go 3-0 um, for Rangers on Saturday. There you are. And there you have it, folks. Um, official betting recommendation by Adam from Heart and Hand. Get your mortgage on it. If it doesn't come in, then you know where to go. You can blame me. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, mate. And Scott, good to have you on as always, mate. We've done a wee uh, role reversal halfway through, but here's your goodbye and your prediction for Saturday. Hey, first of all, thanks for having me on again, Colin. Sorry I had to kind of scoot, uh, scoot away halfway through. I need, need to settle the reins. Um, I'm going to go for 5 nothing Rangers. I think uh, Fabio Silva is going to start in the 10 on Saturday. We've seen him in the cameo there. Ibrox last weekend. I'm pretty sure he's going to get a start there again. We need to begin this boy minutes at the end of the day. And Dessers, as much as it pains me to say, um, is playing too well to drop. Um, but he's he's never going to be able to catch a, a pie out of the sky. Never. And throw it back. It's never going to harm. Um, so I am going to go 5-0 Rangers. Thanks everybody for tuning in and cheers for a dig out, Colin. And last, by no means least, Andrew, thank you for coming on, mate. Here's your goodbye and a scroll line for Saturday. Yeah, and all good show tonight. Thanks very much. Um, I'll, I'm going to stick with um, the two results in Motherwell's last two games, a 3-1. Um, the 1-3-1 against Levy and they could beat 3-1 against them. Um, I'm just hoping that they go with O'Donnell and Blaney and whoever the hell they subbed on in that second half against Celtic that just so happened to then concede that, that these goals late on. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the 3-1, I think. Uh, it's not going to be the same as the Kelly. They early go and then we need to come back. I think it'll be a consolation maybe after we make some subs um, late in the game. Um, that maybe I think there was. The, I think Derek McKinnis was talking about the kind of it became a bit of a mishmash across both sets of teams after they made the subs um, last night. Um, but I think uh, I say Dessers will get one at least. Um, I, I'm 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 well in the Dessers train now, which means they physically can't be a bust for Rangers because I've given them the Andrew Stewart seal of approval. So, uh, yep, uh, I'll say Dessers gets one. Chuck a Tav pen in, as always. Um, I don't know who'll get the third, but I'll leave that up to the boys in the park. Lovely stuff. And I'm going to go for a standard run in the middle, 2-0. Um, no, because Adam's told me about it, but because mm. I think we will have one eye on a Thursday as well, and I think it will be very much just get the job done. But thank you all for listening. Um, shout out for what's coming up over the weekend. I'll be on tomorrow with um, Motherwell blogger um, Gogsy for another episode of Behind Enemy Lines. Um, hopefully I don't lose too many points for t- speaking to other fans, but we'll try and have an adult conversation um, around how Saturday will go. And then, of course, we'll be back with the live stream on Sunday to do it all again. So thank you all for listening, and I hope your team wins that the weekend. <laughs>
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 